0: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back to the Unplayable Podcast. Once again, the story of the day was Usman Khawaja. The returning batter followed up his first innings 137 with an unbeaten 101, becoming just the third player to score twin tons in an SCG test match. Cameron Green made 74 of his own as the pair put on a 179 run partnership. Earlier, England were knocked over quickly at the start of day 4, with a first innings deficit of 122. But with 50 minutes to bat at the end of the day, opener Zach Crowley and Haseeb Hamid survived setting up an interesting day five. Louis Cameron spoke to Ricky Ponting after play on day four, proudly brought to you by HCL, the official digital technology partner of Cricket Australia.
1: I'm here with Ricky Ponting after day four of the SCG test, and, well, the day was really all about Uzma Khawaja, 101 not out after his 137 in the first innings. He wants two. He's coming back. Ray's down, back-to-back back hundreds,
0: he moves into special company. Ricky, have you seen Usman bat better? Um, look, it's probably difficult to remember, certainly back-to-back innings anyway. Um, you know, we saw him play that magnificent match-saving innings in the UAE um, against Pakistan. You know, so I saw him get that 170 at the SCG against England, I think, four years ago. Um yeah, but just the ease and the class. I think you know we we know what sort of character he is. He never sort of seems flustered on the outside. He suggested in the first innings that he might have been a bit more nervous on the inside than what he looked. But um, and the, the great thing about it as well is that he they actually made him work really hard early on in his innings. You know, he never he didn't get off to flies. It wasn't all easy when he first came out. He had to work hard and get himself set. And then, like good Test players do, like I said yesterday with Beasts and Stokes, get yourself in, work your way through the gears, target the bowlers that you can, and put pressure back on the bowlers. And I thought, you know, Uzi's done that brilliantly in these two innings. And um I think everyone in in Australian cricket's just so happy for him.
1: I asked you this question 48 hours ago. I'm going to ask you it again. Uh, if you're picking the team in Hobart, is he is he still an automatic miss out? Does Travis head come straight back in?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um things have probably got a little bit more complicated. I was pretty clear. I was pretty black and white a a couple of days ago, you know, on on the back of Marcus Harris making a a really good 70 in Melbourne and then starting well in Sydney. But the problem is it's just the opportunities that keep slipping away. You know, it's 76 in Melbourne and then 30 odd in the first innings here and then 20 in the second innings. You know, Kawaja has grabbed the opportunities. He's obviously been presented with both hands. Travis Head present, you know, grabbed his opportunity in Brisbane with both hands. Jai Richardson has, Scott Boland has, everyone else in this current Australian team when the Opportunity has arisen. Have grabbed hold of their chance and 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 ran with it. You know, it was, it's at the moment it's like, you know, Marcus is sort of reaching out with one hand and he's got one hand on it and can't quite get the two hands around it that he needs to to, you know, just to make the the noise go away. So um, look, it's going to be a it's going to be a really tough selection now for, for George and 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 the Australian selectors because it's pretty irresistible what the the piece of work that Khawaj has put forward in one Test match. Um, but saying that, I think they probably have to look a little bit further ahead as well. I can't, I don't think they can just pick just for next week. I think they need to think about the the tour that's ahead of that. And then, you know, maybe start building towards the next, even towards the next Ashes series. And if they think that Kawaja could do that job in England in a couple of years time, then right now, I I think it's pretty clear in my mind who, who I think is the better player out of those two. Um, and other factors will come in as well, I'm sure. I mean, touring factors will probably come into it. Um, you know, Kawaja's record, as we know, is not as good away from home as it is at home. And But, you know, Marcus Harris, we saw what happened with him in the UK last time too. So all these things I'm sure will be spoken about by the selectors. But as I said, it, it's, it's. I mean, Kowaji can do no more. It's it's irresistible pretty much what he's done. And, and the ease of, of which he's made the runs has, has been, I think, most satisfying for him.
1: If you break it down line by line, do you accept that the other four guys are basically locks in the position that they're in, that David Warner has to open, Smith and Marnus, you know, they haven't dominated this series, but they're locked at, at three and four, and Cameron Green's your long-term number six. Do you accept that? And then and then you're fighting out for the for the rest of them um, in amongst it?
0: Absolutely, mate, yeah. And, I mean, the, the other guys have just shown so much in in their positions, haven't they? Yeah. Um, you know, and there was even a bit of talk yesterday. Is it Green that makes way for um, for Kawaja for Hobart? Well, Green shut that door as well. So once again, you talk about opportunities. There's another one, another guy that did take his chance when he had the opportunity, and there's only there's only one that hasn't. But yeah, I think the other guys are locks. Um, you know, three and four are two of the better players in the world, and Cameron Green's a, an emerging um, star of the game, I think, and Travis heads in career best form before he missed this week. So everyone else looks after themselves.
1: It's a it's a really tough one. I want to ask you about Green because you've talked quite a bit about him uh, wanting to see him play more of the back foot, and I mean some of his back foot played today was was just delightful. Um, I mean, so I just wanted to get your thoughts, just because it, it looked like he was almost playing some of those back foot shots off the off the front shoe in the end.
0: Yeah, he was. I was going to say that he played back foot shots off the front foot. It's still. It's still, I mean, and when you're that big and that strong, you can do that and get away with it. Um, and the, at the end of the day, it was against a tiring attack as well. I think it would have been harder for him to play those shots off the front foot off a, a fresh attack or a fresh mark with this bowling 150 151 k's an hour it would have been might have been a different story, but I think for him for him himself to realize that that is what he can do if he just lets the handbrake off and lets himself play and watches the ball and reacts and 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 does it with a you know, a really positive mindset and positive intent. You know, get away from the ultra defensive mindset and give yourself a chance to play a natural game and and we'll all see what he's capable of. So, um, yeah, look, there's still I I think you, you're spot on. There's still some work there to be done on his on his footwork movement and being able to transfer his weight back better because against he'll get away with that at, at Shield level um, when you're playing, you know, Test cricket week on week against the Rabadas and the Norkias and the and the Engidis and these guys of the world that are going to hurry you up. You need to be able to transfer your weight um, well. But um, great science for him today and he'll take a lot of confidence out of that going to Hobart.
1: England got the stumps, none for 30, none down. It's their highest opening partnership of the series so far. Did you think Australia batted too long and, and could these 10 wickets maybe be a little bit harder to wrangle out than they thought?
0: Um oh there's no reason why they'll be harder to wrangle out than they thought because there's enough evidence from what they've seen so far that they would have been confident that they could do it. So <clears throat> saying that, I think they, but maybe they would have expected to, to make some inroads tonight. And to back up your point, I, I absolutely think they batted too long. Um, you know, 288, the highest ever chase, uh, an England batting border that's been under the pump right the way through the summer um three of those guys potentially injured although we're hearing they're all going to bat but how well how effectively can they bat with another day you know we saw Stokes trying to move in the field today he looks in all sorts of pain and and not neither Bairstow or or Butler took the field so um but that's a decision that they've made and and let's hope it pays off for them tomorrow hope they've left themselves plenty of time you know who knows what's going to happen with weather there's those things that they probably had to try and factor in and figure in as well but I'm sure that's been part of their thinking so you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that they batted too long because if they win halfway through tomorrow, it doesn't matter. But if, if they don't, then they'll have some questions to answer.
1: I want to ask you about Marnus Labashane, who was out to Mark Wood for the third time, I think in his last three innings, or, or at least the, the third time in this series. It looked like he was moving across a bit differently to Wood to the other fast bowlers. Can you explain if you agree with that and, and why he might be doing Suspension. that? Suspension, man. seriously had Oh!
0: Turn around, that's what they need. Marnus can't believe it. Mark Wood gets him once again. No, definite technical change. I, I saw that at the start of the second innings today, actually. I, you, know, I, I analyse, you know, I analyse things pretty closely and pick up things like that. And I noticed straight away, on the back of the way he was dismissed in Melbourne and then um, the first innings here in Sydney, um, he would have felt that Wood had something on him he had to change what he was doing to try and combat that. So he was moving back and across further. He also wasn't bringing his front foot into the line as early as he was. Um, and there's no doubt, you know, with guys that move like that, you know, they, they move across outside their off stump um, to cover their stumps. But when a bowler changes the angle up and goes wider on the crease and it feels like that ball's always, always still coming back in to, to challenge your off stump, that's when Marnus has got into trouble. Um, and even that one today, you can probably say that one today he nicked it probably because his footwork pattern had changed. If he hadn't moved that far across, that would have been a ball that he could have cut easily. But because he'd moved so far, it actually that ball actually got too close to him to try and cut, hence is why he nicked it. So you know, these are the decisions you have to make as a player. I must admit mm-hmm. I was probably never, I was never gutsy enough or cor- courageous enough, if you like, to change things too much because I had doubt about how um, all the things that I'd ingrained into my head over such a long period of time that if I, changed my guard slight, slightly or made a back and across movement, all the triggers and all the things that I'd naturally had stored in the computer were going to be sort of thrown into disarray a little bit. And that's what it looked like a bit with Martus today.
1: Is it a, uh, it, was it a length thing as well? Because it looked like Wood was going a bit shorter at him and, and kind of had the, the guy around the corner there at short leg. I mean, is that, did you feel like he was doing it to counter that um, more so than just a line?
0: Um, maybe, yeah, but they, they have operated with that field at, at, at both Manus and Smith when they started pretty much in every inning. So Manus, I mean, even when he wasn't doing that in the fir- in Melbourne and in the first innings here, they still had that same sort of field. I, I think it was just to combat that one ball that he nicked because it was, you know, when you look at those deliveries, they were ang- wide on the crease, angled in, but he still played inside the line of the ball and nicked them. So was, I think it was that he was trying to cover that particular ball. Um, yeah, and it, it didn't work for him on this occasion. But one thing he has been, and Smith's been the same, and I say it about the best players in the world all the time, the best players are the best problem solvers. They solve problems quicker than anybody else. And that was one way that he thought he could solve a problem. And it didn't work for him today.
1: And, and I want to ask you, it was interesting what you said there about you never being um, willing to to change the, the stuff you had hardwired into your brain from a batting point of view. Is that a new generation of batters who just look at the game very differently, and that maybe even Marnus had, had been out to to Wood twice now, or twice coming into this innings, and he's just willing to change something very dramatic? Um, is that yeah? I guess my question is: is that a generational shift in in how batters think?
0: Yeah, I think it is. I think it's also it's also a bit of an information sharing thing that didn't used to happen around the around the game when I played. You know you. I remember going on tours to to India and, and wondering why some of our senior right-handed batters were batting on off stump all of a sudden to the ball spinning in, you know, the, the little things like that weren't, weren't shared much, weren't talked mm. about much, but the fact, you know, the, the boys spend so much time together now, analysing their own games analysing techniques and trying to find ways to help each other out that um, it's definitely more of a modern thing. I mean, even, um, you know, the, My yeah. So I did at the back end of my career where I've moved my guard over to off stump for right arm off spinners and found that it made a a big difference where I hadn't done it for the first probably 10 or 12 years of my career. And you see guys now sometimes from mid over are changing their guard to to even to fast bowlers. I'm not not sure if you noticed tonight, but Zach Crawley, last ball of the over tonight was well, well out of his crease and well outside off stump to face the last ball of Pat Cummins just to get through the night's play. So, you know, David Warner batting on off stump, the Stuart brand the wicket, all these things, these are things that have, you know, they haven't always been in the game, but it's, it's, um, it, it's great to watch. And it's great as a, as an analyst and as a commentator to sit back and watch the different ways that the guys are thinking about coming up with combating some of the best bowlers in the world.
1: I imagine Harbinger's pretty happy that you, you never quite caught on to that one earlier in your career.
0: Yeah. I gave him about eight or nine. wickets head start, I think before I decided yeah. to try and change it.
1: I wanted to ask you a little bit or pick up on some of the comments you had today about about Joe Root uh, and potentially this being, you know, maybe time for him to hand over the captaincy. Do you kind of stand by
0: that? Yeah, I I actually do. And it's not, it's nothing, you know, I'm not ever a critic of opposition captains, but um, because I, I know what it takes to captain a team. And I know that so much of what you do doesn't necessarily happen on the field and is not visible on the field. He's been criticized a bit for some of his tactical things and the use of Jack Leach and, uh, he's got to be involved in some of the selections and stuff that's happened as well through this tour. Um, I just think it's it's just going to wear him down and, and grind him down. I know he's had an exceptional season with the bat, but I think there's, for a lot of these, and I've been a big av- advocate for this because even looking back on my career, you know, I, I probably, as I said, i played a couple of years longer, potentially even captain a couple of years longer than I should have because the challenge just gets harder and harder and, and wears you down. And where England cricket's at right now, you know, they're, they're looking at a pretty ordinary last eight or ten test matches um they might just need a complete reboot and start again with a fresh face in charge and you know I think I think Stokes would actually grow as a player if he was the captain of that side as well and I, that he, I made it clear this morning if, if the only person I think that can take over is is Ben Stokes and I think with a bit of extra responsibility um he might become an even better player and and um that might have a good impact on the rest of the team
1: I want to follow up on that around Stokes, but let me go back to Root for a second and what you're saying there about um, maybe recognizing some of the stuff he's going through now as maybe some parallels with how you um, the end of your captaincy tenure. Yeah, I mean, did you did you do you feel like there's there's things Joe's going through now that that you recognize in how you finished up as skipper?
0: Uh, I'm not sure there's that many similarities. I mean, I don't think you know, they've had an extended run now of pretty poor form, haven't they, this England team? Um, mm-hmm. I guess I was probably pretty lucky that we didn't have extended runs of losing lots of test matches in a row or or certainly not winning many test matches in a row. Um, but I, it's more about finding a way to keep reinventing yourself every year as a leader. That's the most difficult thing. He's had a pretty, you know, he's had a pretty settled bowling group. He, I know a lot of his top-order batters have changed a bit the last the last couple of years. but um, And, you know, he, I guess it can probably change from the, if he if he does hang around, he, in potentially in the next 12 months, he might have a completely different bowling group as well with Broad and Anderson not being there. So a lot of the regeneration might happen organically. Let, let's wait and see. But um, yeah, what's he been in the job four years now, four or five years now? That's a that's a reasonable stint in a leadership role. And if they are talking about shaking things up and changing things around, then I, I've actually got, I mean, I'm not saying that he, he needs to go or he has to stand down, but it, I reckon it will be a conversation um, in the back in the back rooms of at the ECB. It
1: didn't really work out in terms of all rounders and thinking about Stokes now. It didn't really work out for both of them, who I think lost twelve Tests in a row and then gave it up, and then was was amazing again in that nineteen eighty one Ashes. And it didn't really work out for Flintoff, as as you know, in oh six oh seven, who are probably their transformative two all rounders of recent times. Why can it be different for Stokes?
0: Oh, Sean Pollock had a reasonable record as, a, as an all-rounder, you know, I mean, was a macro, but was probably never an out now all-rounder, and out but had a reasonable record as, as captain of Pakistan. I mean, I think, it, I, I think it just depends on the individual. I don't think it's actually the the role, um, you know, otherwise Pat Cummins probably wouldn't have been given the Australian job because it's been such a rarity as well. I mean, you'll find instances right the way through, even with with batters, top order batters, where it hasn't worked. And look, I don't know Ben Stokes that well, but if I was trying to change the face of English cricket and give it a bit more of a heartbeat and a bit more soul, then I think he'd be the one that I'd be looking at to to lead the team. You know, he's we even we saw what we saw yesterday um, to stand up under uh, that much sort of physical pain and the mental um, pain that he must have been going through it says a lot about him. And and his teammates will thrive off that. Anyone that plays underneath him, I'm sure, will grow an arm and a leg. And you can say that they're playing in the same team now, but I think it's different when you're captain and you're the one that's, um, you know, leading from the, from the front with every single thing that you do.
1: He's an in-demand guy. I imagine the, the IPL is is not going to go away for him at where for, for Joe, it hasn't really been a, um, a really an option for him recently. Would it require a, a bit of a rethink in terms of how, you know, not to say that you can't captain and, and play in the IPL, um, I should add, but uh, would it require a bit of a rethink around his um, responsibility?
0: Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um you know, I don't know much about the England players' availability. I mean, they're generally available for most of the IPLs. So they're, they're, you know, important players, they'll tend to drag back from the IPL at, at different times. But, um, yeah, look, I think at the end of the day, I, I, where, where English cricket's at right now, they just they just have to be 100% certain who the right man is for their job. And if that means a, a few IPL games get in the way here and there or scheduling gets in the way, it's you know i think they've got and we've heard the english experts talking about it mike atherton talking about it and some of the things that need to change in english cricket it doesn't sound like it's going to be a flick of the switch little um thing that they can just make one decision and things are going to change There's going to be a lot of hard work that's going to go into it and if there does happen to be a change and, and as i said I, I think it by the end of this um you know if england happened to to lose tomorrow and, and not get a win in hobart you know joe might even consider it himself who knows what's going to happen there
1: Always good to pick your brains, Ricky. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Good on you, mate.